Spoopy Halloween from the Legionnaire Podcast. I am one half of your hosting duo, Callahan, and on the other side of my screen and the in the other ear that you're listening to is my congested brother, Will. Yeah, spooky season. You know, it's scary being sick. Really? Why is yeah. it scary? No one likes being sick. <clears throat> That's true. Everyone's like, oh, I don't have, it's, it's such a bad time for me to get sick. I'm like, there's never a good time to get sick though. Like there are, wor- there's like, there's like worse times, like compared to other times, but there's never a good time to get sick. Yeah. I'm trying so to I think like if you- I'm good. I can't. Well, I feel like you realize then when you get sick, you're like, oh damn, these are like the things that I actually do. And mm-hmm. I'm just out of it now. I'm dying. I'm dying. But yeah, it's Halloween. You know, I want to talk about something briefly. It's amazing how like some people can just get away with like, like both like guys and girls, like the costume that they wear. It's like the biggest stretch where it's like, how are you even calling that like a costume? (laughs) Like, yeah, there's like some, I saw some people, um, Oh, some guy was wearing like a shirt last night of like a dog. And I was like, what are you? And he's like, I'm a pit bull. And I was like, nice, nice effort there. <laughs> and then there was some, I saw some girls and they were like dressed up as like Buzz Lightyear and Woody from Toy Story. Except if Buzz Lightyear and Woody were in like thongs, I was like, <laughs> dude, yeah. I saw so many girls who were basically naked last night. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you not freezing right now? Like, put clothes on. It's cold. Welcome to the Midwest. It's it's 49 degrees out. And they're like half naked waiting in line. Dude, I... Sorry. This is officially like one of our official movie review podcasts. We're trying to make it sound all official stuff. But like, we just got to talk about this real quick. Because we didn't talk about this in the green room beforehand. Some The lines at the bars on State Street were ridiculous ridiculous last night like some of them were i kid you not maybe a quarter mile long really nah not even a quarter mile seems pretty long maybe 100 meters long 100 to 200 meters long i was like this is ridiculous some of the the lines for the bathroom were long i on friday evening i was like i had to go to the bathroom there was a mega line like it went outside like curled around like half of the bar and i was like I think I'm just going to leave right now. I'm going to go home and go to my own bathroom and then go to bed. It's a good call. I'm a big fan of that. Actually, the uh, bathroom in my basement of my house is better than the one in my actual apartment. So I kind of go down there a lot more often than I go up in my bathroom in my current apartment. But you're not here to listen to Will and I talk about going to the bathroom. You're probably here to hear our thoughts about the Dune movie. Probably. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So I... We did a review for Dune a week ago after we saw it. It wasn't that good. We had some pretty lackluster thoughts, and we both agreed that we could have done a better job. So we were like, "Let's let's reformulate." Let's. I we were both going to originally rewatch the movie. You, unfortunately, you didn't have the time to correct. Yeah, I was. It's been a hectic it's, week. Yeah, school and everything. I I was lucky enough though to see an IMAX because the first time I saw it was just in the theater here in my town. But then I was able to go to see it in an IMAX theater for the second time, which, oh my gosh, completely different, completely different feeling than the first time. It feels like 
This is what I said because I went to watch it with Caleb and his family, but it feels like watching the movie in an IMAX. I feel like I'm sitting at my apartment, like in front of my monitor. Like that's how big and close the screen feels to me, even though I am so far away from the screen. It's just a gigantic scale for the screen, and the sound is just beyond loud. It's just overwhelming how much noise is coming out of the theater at times. Now, where in the theater were you sitting in relation to the screen? Like in the middle. Like, so like middle middle towards the the back. Yeah. Towards the back. Okay. How would you feel if you're sitting up like front row? Oh God. I feel like I'd be looking up the whole time. Okay. I think that'd be a little too close. Yeah. Cause this is an IMAX theater near Madison here or like in Fitchburg that I want to go to, to watch the Batman and other movies coming out in the future. Yeah, I think you want to get like middle, middle to the back. Well, so I, before we like roll into like specifically talking about the movie, I have to complain a little bit about seeing it in IMAX because it was a complete mess. So we walk in, the movie starts at noon. We walk in at like 11.50, 11.55. Usually they play previews or ads before you go, go in. Nothing. It's pitch black in the theater. There's no lights on whatsoever. It's completely dark. And we're in the right theater. And we're like, where are our seats we can't find our seats because there's no light in here and the seat numbers aren't lit up so we're trying to find our seats we finally get them and then it's noon and usually once it hits noon they start playing the previews nothing we can't hear anything nothing's happening and then finally we start hearing sound but there's no picture and there's no light still on there so it's still like pitch black and we just hear a bunch of sound coming out from the trailers like what the heck is happening finally halfway through the previews they're able to get the screen on, which is fine then. Um, but then they turn the lights on, like the big overhead lights. Oh, where, my God. Where you turn those on. So then the movie starts, and those lights are still on. So Zendaya's character is, my planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun sets. And the lights are still on. And I'm sitting there like, what is happening right now? How are you letting this happen in an IMAX theater? Like, this is your selling point at a theater. And this is just a complete mess. So then we get like three or four minutes in the movie and finally someone had complained and they had said, we're going to restart the movie, we're going to turn the lights off and we're going to get everything to work. Like, okay. I lean over to Caleb and I make the joke, we're going to start from the previews at the beginning. We started from the previews again at the beginning then. So we had to sit through like 15 minutes of previews just to finally get back to where we were in the movie. And finally, the movie started. But then in the last 30 minutes of the movie, there was some spider or some fly crawling on the projector. So we just like saw something crawling around the whole time. I was just like, the movie was great. I love Dune. But there's just, I was just so unhappy with what was happening in the theater at the time. Those are my complaints. Just like it's not related to the movie at all. Just me venting. Wow, that's um. The movie was I supposed to start at ex- well, sorry, the movie was supposed to start at noon. It didn't start till twelve forty. Oh my god! And that's already a three-hour movie. Yes. Because <laughs> where did you go? Because there's not an IMAX theater in Lacrosse. No, I went to Rochester. Oh jeez, Louise. That's yeah, a, just a whole day adventure. From, yeah. So, and the movie. I mean, beyond my complaints, though, into the movie itself. What a great movie, I have to say. It's not a movie. It's an event. Like, there's, like, this, this shit, Like, I didn't see it in IMAX yet. I was planning on seeing it here in IMAX this weekend, but 
school's getting me down. Um, and I, I wanted to see an IMAX, but I couldn't. So I saw it on the ultra screen at the Marcus um, here in Madison. And it just like, I was, I was watching it. It's because like the ultra screen is great. And it's got the Dolby. I don't remember. Riley's going to text me. He'll tell me what the, 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 the most premier sound system in the world that they have right now in movie theaters. We listen to that. And like, just like the scale of the movie on the screen and like the score, just like, I was like, I am not, I like I'm witnessing like cinematic history play mm-hmm. out right now. It's overwhelming with just like the, the score and the picture, the way that they shot the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very apparent that this movie is like, needs a second part and like they've already confirmed doing part two is happening thank god could because we were talking when we did the original but since now deleted review um that it's so frustrating because they haven't announced a part two yet and we're concerned that they weren't because we wanted warner brothers to green light a sequel because it needs a sequel yeah it's a, it, i wouldn't even call it a sequel i would say it needs the rest of the movie Mm-hmm. it's because like it's basically like this is basically about to be like a six hour movie oh exactly um movies are broken up into three acts act one act two act three this is part one is only act one of a movie like you don't get an act two or an act three in this movie this is only one act of a movie in my opinion watching this like i, I mean it's about act one and a half I, to maybe yeah I'm thinking about Paul's story and like where we end off at the end of the movie. And I feel like we're just starting into act two. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I, I would agree with that. Watching it though. So seeing it a first time, I was beyond overwhelmed. Like there was so much happening because I've, you've read the book, correct? Half of the book. Yes. Yeah. So I, myself going into this, didn't know anything about the world of Dune, but I was excited to see it. <clears throat> um, but so going into watching it, it's overwhelming at first because if you have no background knowledge of the story, you're introduced to all these worlds, all these characters in this kind of, it's not a comp, it's a complex story. It's easy to follow, but you need to lock in and like really stay focused the entire time. Um, and being able to watch it a second time, I think it made it easier for me to focus and sort of pay attention to follow the story better just because I had known all the characters then going into it a second time. And I was able to sort of just wrap my head around what was happening, which made it easier for me watching a second time. I enjoyed it more watching it my second time through. Like the first time I was like, yeah, that was, that was a really good movie. I loved it seeing it my second time. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it for a second time. I was thinking about watching it on HBO max, but I'm like, I got to watch it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it in the theater because my first impression after leaving the theater is like, I feel like this is, I don't know, this might draw a little heat, but like, I feel like this is the current star Wars for young kids watching. Like this is the movie that is going to make young kids be like, wow, Dune is cr-. like, this is a scale I haven't ever seen before. And I know like, it's like, that's kind of people like, well, the star Wars sequels just came out. It's like, yeah, like that star Wars, like I'm talking about like an original, like, when, the, when I say like this is this generation of Star Wars, I mean, because like when George Lucas made the original Star Wars, like no one had any, have ever seen anything like that. Like no one's ever seen anything like to the scale of Dune. Because like I explained it to my people that I went, my friends that I went with, like what's like Dune basically? Like, it's basically Game of Thrones in space. 
And they're like, really? How does that work? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And after they watched the movie, like, that makes perfect sense because it Dune is Game of Thrones in space. And I was like watching this movie. I'm like, I'm realizing like, this is stuff like, cause like when George Lucas made Star Wars, people like, I hadn't seen anything like this before. And when the sequels came out, like I had basically seen the sequels before, like, okay, like, cool. I've seen this before done again. But like Dune, when I watched Dune, I was like, this is not the last Jedi, but yeah, not the last Jedi. Um, anyways, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, no, this was, this is like a cultural event. Like Dune is a cultural event. Well, to draw off your point with Game of Thrones, it's a lot like season one of Game of Thrones where it's very dialogue and story heavy. It's not Mm -hmm. because in the later seasons of Game of Thrones, we get big action fight scenes, maybe once every other episode or so you get a fight scene. We don't, you don't get those type of scenes really in that movie or you do but to me those aren't the ones that stand out the most yeah. um like the trial of um Tyrion lannister yeah those those ones are the ones that stand out more to me um and the same thing with this movie as well like uh, one of the scenes that stands out and this is going into i think my favorite scene in the movie or one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the Poison needle. How do you say it again? Ganjabar. 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 Um, Timothy Chalamet's acting in this movie, I loved it. I I appreciate it more seeing it again now and just seeing what he's done. Um, that scene with the Ganjabar and the poison needle with the Reverend Mother. I look specifically towards when he has his hand in the box and the performance that he puts where he's sort of creating, he's creating the pain that he's experiencing in this scene. And he's showing to the audience just like how painful it is, but we can't see what's happening to his hand. We have to interpret it based off of his reaction and his emotions. And the performance that he gives for that scene is incredible. Another scene where I think his acting is completely stands out is where him and lady Jessica, are it's after the Sardaukar and the Harkonnens have invaded the capital city of Arrakis and Lady Jessica and Paul are under the sand in the tent and they're drinking their water and they're sort of just hiding for the time being, um, waiting for the signal to go off because someone else, we find out later that Duncan Idaho has that signal. But um, when he inhales the spice in the tent or he starts having the spice visions again, he has those visions of what's happening and what he sees in the future of him being a leader. And he's like saying how he's going to wave the banner of the Atreides flag in his father's name and that people are going to love him and he's going to be a great leader. And he has that crazy vision of him ruling different worlds, like going back to the city of Caladan, uh, not the, the planet of Caladan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I apologize. I, Caladan sounds a little side note. It sounds like a Star Wars planet as well. I don't Oh, it's um, 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 where did they find Ahsoka Tano in my Oh, yeah, Moon of Corvus or the city. Keep talking, I'm gonna, I'll Google that. Yeah, but um, when Timothy he like is screaming in the tent and he's screaming that they'll, I'm gonna wave the Atreides flag in my father's name. Um, it's just incredible acting, and he. Lady Jessica is like, your name is Paul Atreides. You're my son. And he looks and he screams and he's like, you did this to me, woman. See, saying that the Bene Gesserit sort of 
I mean, they've had their hands in history from what it, and that made it easier as well watching a second time because I was, had such a hard time following the Benny Jesserit. So seeing it the second time made it a lot easier for me to understand what was happening. Um, Because I completely missed that they were like, that all throughout history, they've been trying to create the Messiah. Oh, you missed it. Yeah. Well, I, I understood I like that they're trying to create the Messiah, but I was like, wait, how the hell are they trying to create him again? And they were just trying to mix, they're trying to mix bloodlines together and they're controlling the political aspect and the overall like landscape of the universe by then mixing different bloodlines together, <clears throat> creating the Lisan, the Messiah. That's just what I'm going to say. I don't know what the mm-hmm. proper term is for it, but they're trying to create the Messiah that can see visions that transcends um, past and present and future which i think is interesting and that's basically the illuminati yeah they are the illuminati actually just a bunch of wizards a bunch of witches um yeah i but timothy chalamet's acting is just to me i mean paul paul's a goofy character but i think timothy does a great job in his performance in this movie Mm-hmm. I really like. Oh, also, um, Kaladin is actually the moon that they find Ahsoka Tana, uh, yeah. Ahsoka Tana on. So, anyways, um, yeah, no, Paul Atreides in the book. I he's mainly one of the reasons I stopped reading the book because I couldn't freaking stand listening to Paul Atreides piss and moan anymore. I was like, I can't stand listening to you talk. I hated his character in the book so much. I really liked him in the movie. I thought he was awesome. Um, I like. I keep bringing this back. I keep saying this is Game of Thrones because like the cast for this movie is like, I don't even like, I don't even understand. I don't know how much they paid all of these because they had Timothy Chalamet, they had Zendaya, they had Oscar Isaac, they had, oh, I forget who Lady Jessica's character is, but she's been in stuff before. They have Josh Brolin, they have Jason Momoa, um, they have Stellan Skarsgård, they have Dave Bautista. It's like the, the cast is so deep. Like it looks like the los angeles lakers team right now um rebecca ferguson is the one who plays rebecca ferguson mm-hmm. well then um what's his david Dolsch, javier bardem javier bardem david i think it's dolschmite or oh yeah that's right he's the mentat for the harkonnen house yeah david dast uh, i'm not gonna try to say the last name i'm gonna screw up but he's been in the dark knight every single, before he's yeah. been in like every single movie this year he has been in a lot of movies this year, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, cause they kill spoiler alert. They kill off. Like they kill Oscar Isaac off. They kill, they probably kill, um, Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin Gurney. They kill. Yeah. yeah. They kill Gurney. They kill Jason Momoa. They kill. Well, they almost killed Stellan Skarsgård. Um, David Dahls, the, yeah, the human computer. Yeah. They kill the Mentat guy. Um, but like right there, like if anybody like had told like the studios, like, Hey, we're going to like, if some like had, if someone like writing a movie can like, Hey, I want to cast. So, so, and so, and I'm like, Oh, awesome. They'd be great. It's like, and I'm going to kill them halfway through the movie. And they're going to be like, you're going to what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing too, is I didn't realize how, because Josh Brolin is a big actor and <laughs> I didn't realize like he only really has one scene where he's sort of one of the lead characters when that when he's training Paul and they're going through their uh, combat session. Mm -hmm. Other than that, he's sort of just like a background character in a lot of scenes, which I 
I'm like, damn, I'm surprised. I mean, I I love that he, I love that they got him for the movie because I think the character that he plays, I think Josh Brolin was like one of the only people that could do it because his, his performance is so great. Just in that one scene where he's like, you've never fought Harkonnens before. They're savages. They're brutal. Yeah. I think the only other guy who could have played that role is the guy who played Sir Davos in um, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely could have. But uh, this is also another thing. I I didn't g- grab this when I was watching the movie the first time, but seeing it a second time after. Also, I guess before I get into that, I want to talk about Oscar Isaac. He looks great as Duke yeah. Leto. God. He, looked, he looked amazing. Like the beard that he has, I have to. I loved that beard in the movie. I was like, damn, that's a sick beard. There are a lot of good looking men in this movie. <laughs> there are. Well, oh my God. There is, there's nothing more badass. Well, maybe there is. But when Gurney yells Atreides and the entire Atreides army is Atreides, Atreides. Atreides. I'm like, oh, this is sick. But then the Sardaukar when they're the one word. Okay. If there's one word to describe when they bring in the Sardaukar. Okay. Metal. Three words metal i was gonna say metal as fuck yeah <laughs> it is so metal when i see that scene they're just like like war throat singing and there are human sacrifices they're taking the blood out of these people they killed and they are drawing like marks on their forehead like you are gonna go kill all of these like oh my god it was i was like it's watching metal. Like, i was I was like, this is awesome, but I was ready to lose my mind on the guys I went with because they were laughing during that part. I'm like, this is the coolest scene I might have seen at all in the last five years in movies. I love when immediately when I saw it the first time, I was just the first word. I was like, this is metal. (laughs) This is metal. (laughs) They have the dead bodies hung upside down, draining the blood out of them, putting them into bowls and then putting the blood on the guy's foreheads. I'm like, what is happening right now? Yeah. You have that dude sings like, <laughs> it's sick. Um, but with the the scars guard, scars guard. Apologize. Um, that's one of the interesting things as well that I loved in the movie too. That they don't they don't talk it's much about. Car? Stellan Skarsgård is an actor. Sardaukar. I'm so sorry. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much happening in this movie. The Sardaukar. I was going to say his name again by accident. Um, they don't, they sort of mention it briefly, but they don't really talk about it a whole lot. But I love the aspect where the emperor sends the Atreides family to Arrakis just to have them killed because he's fearing the power that they have and how powerful they're growing. I like, they don't talk, they don't explicitly state that. They just yeah, they say, do. they say that at one point. Well, they say the emperor sent us to Arrakis to die. They say the emperor sent us to Arrakis to die, but they don't like pander. They're not like it doesn't seem it doesn't feel like it's a big point in the movie to me, at least. I mean, I it felt very subtle, but I I liked that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. (laughs) That sounded so dumb. Um, Do we know who the emperor is yet? No, which I'm I'm hope that I assume we would see in the second part. Oh, I wonder who they cast as the Emperor. Ian, Mc- Ian McDermott would be great. That would be sick. That would be that'd be really meta. That would not be. face not Facebook's meta, but like actually meta. Yeah, good lord. Way to go, Facebook. Um, I mean meta. 
No, but I love that they sent the Atreides family there just to die. And speaking of them dying, and this is what I was going to um, talk about earlier, <clears throat> when we finally get the first scene between Duke Leto and the Baron Harkonnen together, if you could describe the Baron in one word, what would you say? Obese. That's true. I was going to say gluttonous, but <laughs> <laughs> obese just- is definitely... <laughs> pounding food i don't know why they made uh duke leto naked but you know i was like okay well here's the deal because when i'm glad when i was reading the book the thing i was like i wonder what they're gonna omit from the book in the movie and in the book the baron is homosexual and pedophilic it is really like at points where i'm like this is a little long he's like where he has like they're like like moments in the book where he talks about he's like oh i cannot wait to give me that young atreides boy paul atreides i can't i yearn for his body i'm like what am i reading right now what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Um, well, in that scene, actually, when Duke Leto was naked in the kitchen, I for some reason I thought like the Last Supper of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought of that. Oh. I kind of felt like the crucifixion, like the way he was just like laying, uh, paralyzed in the chair. I don't know. That's kind of how I. In, this yeah, is the I first thing that I thought of when I saw the scene, and I love just the power dynamic between the bear and he's sitting there's like yeah and then this is the line that he says that i love he's like you have a wonderful kitchen cousin yeah what a great way just to simplify the lineage between the the atreides and the harkonnens just to in one sentence just letting the audience know these two houses are cousins that's all you really need to know and i think that's cool just because back in medieval times and even like game of thrones sort of there's like family lineages where they're fighting for power so mm-hmm. i mean i think that's a great way just for them to simplify it down into that but that's what i was trying to build to yeah <laughs> excuse me no oh. coughing into the microphone what a I guy uh, sorry um, but yeah um i'm trying to think about um i don't know i just I want to talk more. I want to talk about the cinematography because I am a nerd <laughs> for stuff like this. Like I love Roger Deakins and I, let me pull, I have the um, synopsis up right here. Did Roger Deakins do the cinematography for this? No, he did not. The guy who did the cinematography, who's the DP, uh, Greg Frazier um, was cinematographer. I'm going to pull up his, I was going to say, um, because Roger Deakins did 2049, correct? Yes, Roger Deakins did 2049. So the guy who is doing, the guy who did the cinematography for Dune is also doing the Batman. Oh. Um, yeah, and he's also doing um, Dune Part 2, obviously. He's also done stuff for The Mandalorian. Oh, he did, hell yeah. He did stuff in Season 1. He did um, Season 1, Episode 1. Um and then the two episodes that Deborah Chow did. So he did episode three, The Sin, and then he did episode seven, The Reckoning. Is he on Obi-Wan? Uh, he is not. He also did Rogue One, um, which I also really like. The, cin- the uh, cinematography in Rogue One is very underrated. He also did Zero Dark Thirty. Um, so yeah, this guy's. He also did Vice. Oh my God. Yeah, this guy is. Oh, what a great movie. This, guy's, this guy does bangers only. So. Yeah. Um, like the my the scenes in this movie that stick out to me because like Dune, like you'd think it's like they say it's a sci-fi epic, so you think it's gonna take place in space, but it doesn't. It mainly only takes place on planets. And when you are in space, you 
feel like you're in space. It is so big. Like the ships coming, like going down to the planet. You see the ship over the planet. I'm like, this is this. this that's why I say the scale of Dune is so big. Cause like space mm-hmm. has only felt big to me in one movie before this. And it was Star Trek into darkness. Whenever the enterprise would take off to warp speed, I'd feel like I'm like, Whoa, I'm in space. Oh, yeah. this is the only other movie. Well, that's a lie. Um, interstellar made space feel big. That's yeah. That's a total lie. Interstellar made space feel huge to me besides interstellar and star Trek into darkness, which is a really weird movie to pull. This is the only movie that's ever made space feel like the scale that it really is in real life. Well, even like, when the when the Harkonnens invade uh, Arrakis to kill the Atreides, like you see the Atreides soldiers running on the field, getting to the ships. The ships are humongous compared to them. There's these tiny people, and, like the ships are blowing up and everything. I love this the the shot where the Harkonnen ship is coming down and like it sort of like pulls up and yeah, uh, like, I don't know, it like stalls or hits the brakes or something. There's it's an just air so brake. Many, yeah, there's just so many great. Uh, I'm trying to think there one of my favorite shots in the film is back in the planet of Caladan. I'm going to say the city of Caladan cuz I'm thinking of Mandalorian. City of yeah. City of, city of Corvus on the moon of Caladan. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but back in the planet Caladan, um I don't know why it's my one of my favorite shots in the movie, but it's um it's after Paul is putting his hand in the water on Caladan that he sort of probably this is the last time I'm going to feel water for a while. He's looking at the sunset, but he's walking towards the camera and there's like the landscape of the, the, uh, the planet behind him. It looks like it, that shot looks like it was in Iceland. It was, it looks beautiful. I don't know where they mm-hmm. were filming that. Um, but it shows one of the ships in the background flying and it's just him walking in that. Bl- I love the costumes in this as well. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Side note, but the costumes they do such a great job of just setting the tone for what, like what the characters are going to do and what they look like and just oh, setting the tone for the movie. Like mm-hmm. I can't give enough credit for the Baron's um, costume and makeup. It, I mean, he's, he's not in the movie that much. He's in the movie for like maybe five or 10 minutes. If that it's mm-hmm. a two and a half hour movie, but I, and Stellan Skarsgård gives a great performance, but I credit so much of it as well to the makeup and prosthetics because they do such a great job of just setting up of how he looks as so gluttonous and big and obese and just, uh, I loved it. But back to the cinematography, sorry, side note. Mm -hmm. It's just, oh my gosh, there's so many beautiful shots in this movie. It's, it's jaw dropping. Yeah. Um, Also another related to cinematography the score of this is grand as well and of course Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is doing it I feel like no big movie today is, has a score that doesn't have Hans Zimmer or Michael Giacchino yeah who's um, who's doing the Batman score sorry Michael Giacchino <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah Fits. Um, but I, do you? Have, I don't know. This, I like. I see my buddy Riley has been like le- legitimately just listening to the score of Dune like all the time on Spotify. Um, well, I love whenever they play it a couple times. But I think the scene that's most prominent is again back with the Ganjaba scene, and when Paul overcomes 
his anim- animal instincts and he's staring down the reverend mother and that power dynamic shift in the score <laughs> whatever yeah. it is that's i mean i love that i think that sounds great um it's like i feel like he refined the wonder woman theme from the <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League, where she's like, oh, it's just always like, yeah. Oh my gosh. I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's definitely in like my top five favorite movies of this year. But like, oof, da. That was brutal at times. Because <laughs> it was, yeah. The woman goes to the bathroom and that song was playing. I'm just like, all right, we can pump Let the it. brakes. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, the score is phenomenal. Cinematography is phenomenal. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on the movie? Well, I have a little, I have a couple minor complaints as well. I mean, so everyone's biggest complaint was that again, this just isn't a complete movie and it's, it's apparent and they need us. They need part two. Part two is greenlit. Unfortunately, we have to wait two more years for it, but I'll wait for that. I think part two is going to be insane. Yeah. Denise said that he wants to make, he was asked like, how many movies do you want to make? Do you want to start a franchise? What are you thinking of this? And if I remember reading it correctly, he had said that he doesn't want to start a franchise, but he wants to make three movies. He wants to do part one, part two, and the sequel Dune Messiah, which mm-hmm. I mean, I don't based off the title and based off the character of Paul from what we've seen so far and him being the Messiah. It makes sense. Hands up. <laughs> but I'd be, and I don't, I'm going to avoid reading the book because I don't want to know how this story ends until i see part two once i see part two then i'll then i'll probably pick up the book and just see oh okay maybe this is how this compares but my biggest complaint was just that it's not a finished movie and i want to see part two because i love part one so much but then just some like minor things that me nitpicking i think that they could have done a better job setting up dr ua betraying the atreides family yeah it kind of just like oh the baron has my wife like if it's already two and a half hours long at this point, they could have added in like a five minute scene of him. I don't know, berating his wife or like whatever the Baron was doing with his wife. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they set it up better in the book. That's why I was wondering how also they're going to pull that in. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a good sort of shock value thing where it's, you realize, Oh, it's Dr. Yue, the one who betrayed them, which is good. I like that. But I mean, I think they could have set it up a little better. Um, and then this is just kind of me, I don't know, somewhat complaining about the movie. It felt repetitive at the end of the movie where um, Stilgar, Javier Bardem fights Lady Jessica. And then immediately after that, the I don't know what the guy's name is, but he had said, "There's you're not the most powerful person. I need to fight her now. And Lady Jessica's like, no, I'm not going to fight you. And he says, well, then who will be your champion? And then Paul steps forward. And then they have that fight again. I was kind of like, that's from the book. That's straight from it, the book. I know it's straight from the book, but to me, it just was like, I feel like we're doing the same thing twice again. But I mean, that's just to, to me, it makes sense mm-hmm. for Paul's Paul's character. It makes sense because Paul had a vision where he was going to die fighting this guy. And actually it's not true because in the vision that he has, it's the voiceover says, when you kill someone, you kill yourself or like you die as well. So it represents that when Paul kills this guy, he actually died as well. It's the first life that he's ever taken. But 
I I don't know. I felt like that could have been. I to me it, when I watched it the first time and even the second time, I just thought to myself like, we just had this scene like two seconds ago. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zendaya is hardly in this movie. You know how long she's in this movie for? Like five minutes. Yeah, it is five minutes. Yeah, I was like, I want more Zendaya. It's like. Get over it. She'll be around. She's, she'll be in part two, like nonstop, I feel like. And every other movie coming out in the next 10 years. So, yeah, she's a, actually, yeah, her and Timothy are definitely like, I feel like the next big up and coming stars. Yeah, they're already here. Yeah. They have, the future has arrived. Well, yeah, Timothy's doing Willy Wonka and the French Dispatch. Yeah, he, I know he's he had said. That he got advice from another actor and that that advice was to never do a superhero movie. So it was working out for him. Yeah, I don't know. I think here comes in some ice cold takes, but I think that person meant don't do a Marvel movie because I look at the Batman and I'm like, "Uh." yeah, but also I feel like the Batman is just so unique because then like I look at the Flash or a different like DC EU movie like Green Lantern not Green Lantern Black Adam or like Shazam it's like eh, that's a, that seems a little too superhero-y like Batman doesn't feel too superhero-y sorry now I'm talking about the Batman yeah yeah but, we, get, we will talk about the Batman on a regular episode <laughs> but um causing thoughts for me on the movie I'm excited to see more Javier Bardem he's like one of my favorite actors um he's so subtle have, in the movie god I love him I, I love him and everything he does. I thought this isn't like, I don't know if that scene was supposed to be, or his line was supposed to be funny or not, but when he meets Duke Leto and they're talking and they're getting ready to leave, he's like, I have to go. That's all I have to say. Goodbye. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought that, I don't know if that scene was supposed to be funny, if that's how his character is or both. It's I saw that and I was like, okay. Yeah, everybody <laughs> laughed in our theater too. It was funny. My time is better spent elsewhere. Yeah, he looks at and then he looks at Paul. He's like, "I will see you again." Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a great actor. Yeah. Check this puddle. What's the puddle. most? What's the most you've ever lost? lost. On the coin toss. toss. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if some dude walked into your gas station. He's some guy like. At the counter, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? You're like, excuse me? <laughs> Don't put that coin in your pocket. It's your lucky coin. God. What a goofy scene. What a great scene, though. That's, yeah. Anyways. He's great in the movie, though. I'm excited to see. I feel like part two is even going to have a bigger cast. I feel like part two is going to be on a bigger scale. Yeah. Well, I'm curious if, sorry, I feel like, I'm curious if Paul's going to go, because I, I don't know how it goes. I could see Paul making uh, a claim for the throne, and I could, I could also just see him being, like, the revolution leader. I don't know. I don't either. I haven't read that far in the book. I don't want to. I don't want to see it. I, I, I want to watch it in the movie and experience I it. I don't know. But, um... I think this concludes it. Do you have anything else to say? Final words on Dune? No, it's a great movie. I mean, if you love sci-fi and you love season one of Game of Thrones, I think like these two just like match perfectly then. 
It's a great, yeah. it's a great, great movie. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll where can they find us on social media? I know it's Halloween, but it'd be scary if you didn't share this podcast with someone else who you think would like it. So, <laughs> oh, so funny. I know. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Legionnaire Podcast. If you want to ask us any questions, you can shoot us an email at legionnairepodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. It's at legionnairepod. Um, do you have any requests for us? You got anything you want to talk about? Shoot us a message. Myself or Cal run it. So we'll see it pretty frequently. You're on it more often than I am. But yeah, we made our Halloween post. So. Yeah, groove tonight, baby. All right. Well, um, I guess with that, I will let Cal send us away. We are Legion.